I'm Finn. Welcome to Finn's Fish Tales. These are my stories. I made them all up. Hello, as the man said, welcome to Finn's Fish Tales. I really appreciate people taking the time to listen and I've gotten some nice emails. Uh, just to say, if anyone's interested in creating their own podcast, I use Buzzsprout. And there's a link on my website, finsfishtales.com. That's Tales, T-A-L-E-S. And uh, on the About page, there's a link to Buzzsprout. If you use that link, you get a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up. So uh, it's just something to check out. It can seem strange what passes for entertainment for some people. Four Handler They stood, evenly spaced out along both sides of the road. A gang of youths, seven or so in number, all watching the traffic lights and a large container truck, which waited on the green to go. As the lights turned, they began to drift towards the rear of the truck, still trying to look casual, uninterested. As the truck shifted into gear and began to roll forward, they had already gathered at its rear in a tight grouping, unseen by the driver. Each member grabbed hold of any bar, latch or clasp and made themselves secure. Their timing was impeccable, for even if the driver had seen them, the vehicle was already in motion. As the truck began to pick up speed, they smiled at each other, pleased with their acquisition. They had caught a four-handler, so-called because of the four handles attached to the bars running along its back. It was probably the most comfortable kind of truck to hitch a ride on. Here we go, lads, said Sean, as the truck built up momentum. Deadly, added Joe, as he secured his hands around the bar. Each member of the gang had a grip on some bar or fixing. As the truck built up speed, faster and faster, they all knew it was too late to change their minds, and that a slip of the hand could mean death. If the fall didn't get them, a tailing car of van most certainly would. This always created great excitement amongst the boys. Most of the other lads went quiet as they concentrated on clinging on, not wanting to tempt fate, as the trucks would often hit a bump or take a turn at speed, shifting the combined body mass to one side of the truck or the other, making a boy's positioning directly proportional to the burden of the body weight from the boy next to him. Yeehaw! screeched Martin, not concerned with such matters. He was the kind of kid who would have played at pirates in a simpler time, always up for adventure. They listened to the truck's rumble and felt it in their gripping hands. Yeah, they yelped, as the truck hit a rise in the road, lifting them with a momentary jolt. Some sounded in joyful excitement, some in pseudo-bravado. The more cautious of them said nothing, squeezing their steel lifeline tightly, as the wind cut around their heads. As the truck rumbled along, their world only consisted of metal, wind and a need to hold on. After six or so minutes, the truck began to slow as it approached the next set of traffic lights. Martin leapt off and landed running. His feet clattered along as he tried to maintain control and not stumble over or into a pole or passerby. The majority of the boys waited until the truck had almost come to a complete stop and skipped off. Some sighs of relief could be heard, but not from Sean and Joe. That was grand, Sean. Sure was, Joe. Sure was. The gang split into twos and threes as the day's bell was about to sound. 
Although the forehandler was the most comfortable way to travel, with all guaranteed a solid hold, Sean and Joe always felt a sense of being slightly cheated, as the risk, or as they judged risk, was limited compared to other conveyances. They called their self-styled sport navving, some referred to it as scutting. They just thought it was a fun way to go to and from school. Joe sat behind Vladimir Brennan, and Sean behind Joe. Vladimir never took part in any of the more foolish exploits of the boys, but he was one of their dearest school friends, nonetheless. He was a fair-haired youth and somewhat of a local celebrity, as his name was unusual for the area. Vladimir kept record of the attendance in a little blue copybook, as he was liked and trusted by the faculty. The emplacement of such trust upon a boy would usually make him an outcast among his peers, but not Vladimir. Due to his likeable nature, he had some kind of immunity against such things. Upon the boy's request, he would write any absences and late comings in pencil. If by the end of the day no teacher had checked his book, he would rub out any entry, leaving the culprits home and dry. He was their man on the inside. Their three desks were lined along the wall, consisting of cavity blocks partially covered in chipped grey paint. The boys used to scrape around the blocks, picking at the dust of dried cement with their compasses. Working together and after some weeks, Vladimir and Joe dug a hole between two blocks just enough to enable them to see through. It was used as a spy hole to look for any approaching teachers if they had been left unattended for any period or a fight was in progress. One day while exams were taking place in another part of the building, they were left unattended for a good deal of the morning. Sean and Joe were tempted to run out of the place. In a master stroke of organisation, Vladimir suggested the entire class sneak out the window and go home. The theory being that if a teacher was to come to an empty classroom, he or she would assume the class was being attended to elsewhere. After a brief debate, all were agreed and the pupils of class A2 left by the ground floor windows. It must have worked out as no questions were asked the following day regarding the mass exodus. Vladimir had never hung from the back of a truck and they never tried to force him to, but he quite often earned his school by stripes. The weight on a half decent truck or even a converted van would often lead to great risk taking as the school lunch hour would draw to a close. On one such occasion, a kid hitched himself to the rear of a Volkswagen Beetle. They didn't know the kid or how far he got before being discovered, but if he had have been killed it would have been announced over the school tannoy. Quite often, a stranger would appear and join in the wait as the gang was made up of like-minded youths, not necessarily close friends. All were welcome and no introduction necessary. The lad's arch-nemesis, but also most cherished ride, was the quarter to tour a post office truck which stopped at their favourite departure point every day at a quarter to two. Needing to be back to school for two o'clock, if they had not obtained a suitable truck by the time it arrived, they had no option but to try steal a ride from their four-wheeled foe. The driver and his mate knew the boys' tricks well. The driver's mate would step out of the carriage and walk to the rear, sometimes wielding a stick. Those gathering would flee, not always informing any over-anxious colleagues who may be already clinging to the rear. They would laugh at his surprise and more at his pain as he got clipped on the head by the driver mate Stick, who would then proceed to shake the stick at the rest of the lads as they laughed. 
They would back away, but not so far as to miss their chance when the lights changed. Eventually the mate would have to return to the carriage. It was then that the boys would pounce. The back of the truck was smeared with thick axle grease, but the more experienced of them had taken to wearing gloves. After a couple of rubs, the grease became tacky and actually assisted their grip. On occasion, the quarter to two would speed up unnecessarily to try shake them off, but they didn't mind, as it just added to the adventure. During the height of its popularity, Sean and Joe, along with some other boys, would meet up in the evenings to nav just for the hell of it. One evening they caught a petrol tanker. To them it was like Christmas had come early, as the tanker had a ladder welded to its rear. Sean and Joe scaled to the top, the others were happy to use the rungs as grips. The journeys to school were conveniently short, as a number of traffic lights stood along the route. The petrol tanker, however, was travelling in the opposite direction, out towards the industrial estates of the suburbs. As it took off, they were excited, not caring where they might end up. Sean and Joe leaned back, letting the breeze brush their faces. This is living, Sean. Sure is, boss. Beats robbing orchards any day. After ten or more leisurely minutes, the tanker turned onto the dual carriageway and picked up a mighty speed. They began to feel the wind bite at them whenever they raised their heads. The rest of the boys began to cling to the cold metal body. Sean and Joe began to work their way carefully down the ladder to protect themselves from the now constant blast of wind. As their journey progressed, their smiles began to disappear, as fatigue had begun to set in. But they knew they had dare not get distracted, lest they loosen their grip. After many minutes of nervous silence, concern began to show on their faces. Some tried to speak, but as the wind was stealing their words, the only thought in their minds was, Hold on. The boys had changed from holding with their hands to wrapping their arms around the ladder, the weights of their knuckles showing their commitment to life. After what to them seemed like an age, the tanker began to slow. They waited, hoping it was not a momentary ease due to the changing of gears. Thankfully the vehicle was gradually slowing and the colour was coming gradually back into their cheeks. As the tanker came to a full stop, they stepped off carefully. Slightly shaking, they began to walk home, the journey taking almost two hours. Nobody suggested jumping back on a truck. Each day in school, Joe would tell Vladimir his fantastic tales of misadventure. Vladimir would listen closely and smile at Joe's exploits. Naving had spread and many other groups of youths were now taking part. Its popularity had grown so much that sometimes far too many would go for the same truck and one or two would have to grab onto the shoulders or arms of others for a safe grip. One day upon leaving school to travel home for lunch, a van with a shutter on its rear pulled up to the traffic lights with a young stranger already attached. Sean Joe and the rest of the lads piled on with only a small chub lock and a groove holding the shutter in place for grips. As the overcrowded van pulled off, Martin came running after it. Wait for me, lads. He jumped on the tow bar and wrapped his arms around the neck of the young stranger, much to his dismay. As the van gained momentum, the young stranger began to look scared, while Martin, laughing, wrapped his arms even more tightly around the boy's neck. Martin began to let out yelps of laughter, marvelling at his own foolhardiness. The van's tow bar was not big enough for Martin to rest both of his feet, and occasionally one foot would slip off and skip off the road skimming through the wet from an earlier rain. I'm ice skating, he shouted to Joe as he laughed. Joe smiled but was very happy to be over the other side of the van. The young stranger was now close to tears. 
knowing he held two lives in his hands and Martin's foolery did not help matters, but somehow the youth held on. As the van finally came to a stop, they all broke off onto the road and stretched their arms and legs. As they began to wander away in twos and trees, the young stranger walked off alone, shaking. Thanks, man, shouted Martin after him, wearing a grin from ear to ear. They never caught his name, nor saw him again. As the summer came, the lads nabbed less and less, as younger boys with little else to do began appearing. With no school to rush to, and a novelty wearing tin, as novelty so quickly does with the young, Sean and Joe returned to more common pastimes, such as stealing apples from orchards and throwing them at girls, but only if they liked the girls. Occasionally they would hear filter-down tales of Martin and his exploits, of how one day he had made it to Nace and not returned home until the early hours, just in time for a beating from his mother. Then one day, as Sean and Joe gnawed bitter apples by the local bus terminus, Gregory, a member of the church choir and future pillar of the community, walked towards them, just as they were sizing him up for a bombardment of crab apples. What do you want? asked Sean. Gregory dipped his head a little. Did you hear? he muttered in a sombre tone. Hear what? asked Joe. Vladimir is dead. Sean and Joe looked to each other in quiet disbelief. How? When? asked Sean. I'm not sure, replied Gregory. His father was up talking to the priest. As the funeral day came, the word had spread that Vladimir had been killed in a traffic accident, but the full details were never disclosed. The grey damp church was filled to capacity, with almost a hundred strong standing outside. As Sean and Joe sat beside their families, one behind the other, Vladimir's two older brothers, uncle and father, raised his coffin by its four handles onto their shoulders. The bitter irony was not lost on Joe.